Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Metal Hammer Meets. I'm Luke Morton from Metal Hammer Magazine and my guest today is the party king himself, Mr. Andrew WK. I met Andrew in London last month when he was in town promoting his new album, You Are Not Alone, uh, which is released this Friday, if you're listening to this as soon as we upload it. If not, it's probably out now and you should listen to it because it's genuinely brilliant. Two days before I met Andrew, actually, I saw him at a live Q&A session answering questions from the audience. And here we expand upon some of the topics posed to him, such as destiny and the power of partying. Uh, But we also get deep into what Andrew's purpose in life is and why music is worth living for, as his new song says. But our interview starts with me basically fanboying at the man who wrote Party Hard, which is the song I've danced drunkenly to more times than I can count. I guess firstly, I'd just like to say thank you for soundtracking thousands of my nights out. Thousands? Holy smokes. Well, if you've gone out every night of the year, just in three years, you would have had over a thousand. So if those are spread out, I mean, I guess for the last 17 years, I'm not sure how old you are, but I I suppose I could see thousands of nights that you've that you've had uh, uh, this music as a soundtrack, and, and even if it was just one night, you could fit in the power of a thousand parties into that one night. I'm sure. Well, that's the thing. Like Party Hard has been on every rock club playlist, I think, since it came out. How does it feel 17 years later, knowing that people are still losing their minds to that song? It's a miracle. It's a minor miracle. Um, I don't mean to to hold it up to the level of uh, rising from the dead or something, but that's something that I can't force to happen. That has to be the uh, the decision of uh, of other people with their own minds and their own preferences and their their own will uh, to listen to a song that they like. And the fact that it's a song that I had something to do with or a lot to do with that's that's it's tremendous. It's, it's amazing. And I must say, that's not the case in most of the rest of the world. It's not even the case in the United States where I'm from. There's something about the fact that it all started here, because this is where the song came out first. This is where we, my band played our first show anywhere on earth. This is where the album was released first. And so it's extra meaningful. I already have a powerful connection with the UK, but it's extra meaningful that it's continued. You know, and that's what I really felt this trip. I said, well, I'm just stunned. I'm stunned that I've gotten to do this this long and that there's anyone still here interested in partying with me. So I, I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. As we talk, I think earlier this week, uh, Music is Worth Living For was released. What does that phrase mean to you and what music keeps you going when, when things get hard? It's quite straightforward, which was the intent. So hopefully I don't have to explain it too much. And I certainly I will. I can rant and ramble on for, for indefinitely about these things. But I wanted to, to put it quite bluntly that for me personally, and I think for many people, maybe even most, there needs to be some type of uh, completely, absolute, reliable goodness in their life, a type of real unconditional love. And for me, music has been that um, as much or or more than anything else, not to discount the unconditional love of my closest family or um, other great things that I've enjoyed in life, but I have looked, music has for a long time, for as long as I can remember, been like a being, uh, an entity, uh, some kind of thing that's, that's, that's even more 
incredible than a being. You know, it sort of surpasses, is not, doesn't have the limitations of, of an entity or a, a, a person, you know. It, it's just something completely mysterious yet completely intuitive that makes me, as I say in the song, feel good about staying alive, want to stay alive. And that even when I feel really horrible, and even if I don't have music to listen to in terms of an instrument nearby or a stereo or anything like that, just realizing that it, it has existed and it still does exist and that it's there for me, I feel like it cares about me. I feel like it cares about everybody, uh, that it's a, a, an unselfish kind of love that, that is somehow proof of a higher undeniable goodness that I don't need to understand or explain other than the way it makes me feel. Is there any music in particular that you that you think of when you want? You know, when you say there's no music around, what do you think of? I don't want to even name any any particular names because it's the f- phenomenon itself, and I want to retain that vastness that it has as a quality, not limit it even by naming a particular song or anything like that, or a particular piece of music that just let it be complete, so that anybody can relate to what I'm saying right now, even if they don't relate to a particular artist or piece of music that I might mention see a lot of the record is talking about well you mention you and we a lot it sounds like you're talking to yourself especially in break the curse how much of the album is from personal experience you know what in particular fed into it well it's nice because I really appreciate you saying that because oftentimes I've chosen to use we a very deliberate choice where it would come out that way and I would be quite happy because that was the 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 sense of partnership and unity that the we obviously implies um, was the feeling I wanted to create and I wanted to feel myself. So when, when using I, or even more intensely in a way, you, you can be quite distancing and you feel like the singer is almost pointing away from themselves and, and, and at worst sort of chiding somebody else, but just speaking, uh, giving themselves too much distance and almost a lack they have like a lack of responsibility um, so the fact that you heard those yous as me referring to myself is great because that was definitely much more of what I had thought for example even in music was worth living for on one hand I was thinking about in these verses I was thinking about some naysayers and sort of an archetypal naysayer that would have just all these doubts about someone's capacity to you know, for example, be joyful and, and laugh and be a happy person. But I was also saying it to myself. And I even remember having discussions with people where we were trying to make music and, and I was being quite serious and difficult and, and, and frustrated and, and, and quite angry in the process and getting frustrated by the process of making music. And the person said, music's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be able to, you know, it's a joyful thing with laughter and and I was really struck by that, that why, why can't I feel like that? And sort of dreaming of the day when I could play music with that kind of effusive glee um, that isn't that, it, I'm take, that you're taking it lightly. It's not that you're not still very serious, but that it's, you're so moved by the power of it that you're like a child would be just completely free and, and joyful. So I'm also singing to myself, like, I bet you never thought you'd see the day where you would be better than you are. And speaking to those lower impulses inside you, that, that, that your, your, your negativity and your cynicism and 
addressing it and saying, you're not going to hold me down. And you might think you have power over me. And you might think that this sort of bad state of mind is the real me. But I'm going to show you that it's not. On the song uh, Total Freedom as well, you, you repeat the phrase, we didn't care at all, in quite a joyous way. And people, I think, often have a perception of what Andrew WK was or is. And are you someone who perhaps has been guilty of caring too much about what other people think? Well, maybe like anybody. Um, the word care, especially as it's used in that song, has, like many of these uh, lyrics, reveal themselves to have uh, two meanings that are equally true, usually exact opposites. So I often, like many people, thought of not caring about things as a kind of freeing liberation from um, unnecessary strain and uh, painful responsibility. But of course, and a child might have that. You know, the child doesn't have the, the, the capacity to, to care about very much. They might have an intuitive kind of care based uh, on one hand on survival and a very inherent um, natural kind of love and concern for, for the things most urgent, but they're not, they don't have the resources to take on much more care, and you wouldn't want them to. They, it's not what they're meant for. But as you grow, get, as you, grow uh, you develop more strength and more capacities to, to, to care about more things. And there's a, a great scene, and I haven't seen the whole movie. I just saw one. Actually, don't, I don't remember what movie it is now. I thought it was. There's some scene in some movie where a parent is saying that they they're worried about their kid to the kid, and the kid says, "I don't want you to worry about about me, Dad." The dad says, "I like worrying about you. That's my job." And clearly, the dad was very worried because it was a very high stakes, dramatic part of this movie. But he understood that that was his role. That he was born to worry about this kid. It was a natural. Worry, and that was a noble worry. It was not a, a fretting for no reason. It was fretting for the best reason, for out of love. So, <laughs> to make a rabbit back around in the song. We didn't care at all. That is not necessarily a very positive thing, or it's not. A, it's not an absolutely great thing. Uh, we we long after this carefree kind of uh, fantasy, but that's not that's not the answer. So that's a bit of a taunt or a bit of a trick, I think, in the song. Total freedom is not even necessarily the, the best thing. You know, too much, we need restriction and, and limits so that we can maneuver. Uh, we're probably going to have total freedom anyway once we die, and that's why we're all so afraid of it. So that song, on one hand, seems like a real nice, I suppose, uh, straightforward kind of feeling of of, of, of of breaking free of, of, of all, of everything. But if you break free of everything, you also break free of your own existence. Throughout the album, there's an almost, I guess, a spiritual feeling about the power of partying and staying true to yourself. Do you believe in any sort of higher power? Well, absolutely. And I can say that meaning it for exactly what it is as an absolutely. There's an absolute truth. I don't know what it is. I don't know that I ever have any ability to. But I, it, it goes beyond belief. It, 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 it doesn't seem... I don't see how anything could exist unless there was something that, that made it exist. I don't know that you could ever describe that thing, whatever it is, um, 
even music, you know, there, and there's all kinds of ways to imagine what that thing could be like. For example, I didn't invent music. I didn't, no one did. This, it's a phenomenon that emerged out of something. It's bigger than any one person. It's better than any one th- person, thing that any one person could make. And yet we're all able to engage with it. And in a way, it seems like it's coming out of us and coming from someplace far beyond us. So maybe that's an illustration of that. It's, music's a higher power. Uh, that's, that's something I, I'm, I'm very interested in doubt and questioning and confusion and, and the benefits of that. But there's also a time for, an, for acceptance and a kind of humility. Um, and, and, and I've made that decision to accept the reality of, of an absolute fact of, of, of the world or of, of, of all things. And whether you call it a higher power, whether you call it spirit, whether you call it God or, or truth with a capital T, I think I have to, to accept that it exists or I'm sort of fighting a losing battle for no reason. So listening to you speak the other day as well, the topic of destiny came up again and again, which you also seem a big believer in. Do you think that what's happened over the past, well, your entire career, has all led to this and it's all happened for particular reasons? Well, yeah, because that's the fun way to think about it, right? That's the mo- for me, it's the mo- even if things go bad, it's still fun to think about it that way because it helps to alleviate some of the what might otherwise seem like meaningless suffering. If you can put everything into the context of meaning... It, 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 it feels good. It, it feels better. It gives structure, right? It, it takes away the total freedom of pure chaos and disorganization and disorder that everything's happening for no reason in particular. Uh, it's too much freedom. It's too much possibility. So our mind and heart, I'd say even more than our mind, it seems to want, seems to crave a level of purpose uh, that again might not ever be under uh, the mind wants to understand I think in a very rational way but the heart wants a sense of meaning that can be completely irrational because destiny excuse me destiny often does seem to be quite irrational if the mind was in charge you wouldn't it wouldn't let destiny take over and it would question every single urge and every impulse and every instinct and every intuition right out of being followed or listened to at all uh, it wants to be in control. Really, the heart should be in control, or the, the spirit should be in control, and the mind is there to do the bidding of that. But the heart is very delicate and very gentle, so it doesn't like to assert itself. It's just there waiting for you to have the wherewithal and really the courage to tell your mind to just shut up for just a few seconds and let me listen to what I'm supposed to do here, and then you can go back to work or, or distract yourself with the, all your games and, 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 you know, and, and petty criticisms and nonsense and judgments. You want to be able to, 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 that can still go on, all that noise, and there's some good stuff in there too, but you don't want it to drown out uh, that, that beautiful, quiet little voice, you know. You mentioned a higher power and destiny. Do you feel like you've been put here to spread the power of parting, that it's something that you've been drawn to and has been placed upon you? Well, these are difficult concepts, if, I, if that's the right word. They're difficult concepts to talk about because... To, to bring them forth out, from out of you to the world or to you 
makes them sound more definitive than maybe they even seem to me. We're looking for for, for frameworks and for mechanisms with which allow us to engage deeper with what's going on to us. And I don't know if that's what's going on. I can't be sure. But I'm, I'm trying on different points of view and different structures or different mechanisms to see which one resonates the most and gets the best results. You know, but I wouldn't, if someone didn't want to look at things like that, I wouldn't say that they were looking at it the wrong way. You know what I mean? It's experimenting with different mindsets, really. Another big takeaway from the record is obviously the, the motivational speaking segments uh, that pop up throughout. And I've been to a few conferences and things in my time where a guest speaker has come in and done motivational speaking. And it tends to be that they've been through something dark in their life, come out the other side and want to share their experience. Yeah. Like, what have you been through that's led you down this path of motivational speaking? Well, not anything particularly dark. And I say that out of respect for, as you said, many, dare I say, traditional or professional motivational speakers who have so much to offer specifically because of some ordeal. Oftentimes, uh, that they had no direct part in instigating. It wasn't some mistake they made or some lack of, uh, of good judgment. It was some incident or some ordeal or some misfortune, and, and that's even more impressive. I mean, it's still quite impressive when someone inflicts their own suffering on themselves and you can admire someone's... It almost seems like a rite of passage either way. You're going to go through something bad, and if you don't have anything bad to go through, you'll make it for yourself so you can learn the lessons. I don't have anything quite like that uh, or that I would feel it qualifies as, as, as dramatic enough. But as I said, you tend to find some way to confront those ideas uh, in, a, in a tangible, experiential sense. You can think about it, just like you can go see a speaker uh, and not have, had, not, have, not have had the same experience as they had but still relate to it. But at some point, it, you ha- it, it seems as though life needs you to actually f- it, learn it from the inside out or learn it the hard way, as they'd say. And you hope that as few people are hurt in that process as possible. It feels like from the outside looking in, maybe, that you say, you say your life hasn't been too bleak, for, you know, for lack of a better word. You know, your debut album, everyone fell in love with. And then since, not everyone. Well, not everyone, but yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people. And since then, every, everyone has known the name Andrew WK. You know. Not everyone. <laughs> not everyone. Not enough people. Six billion people on the, on the earth. And I think I'm, I'm working at it as point zero 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 zero. 1% somewhere around there. But that's good. Hey, that's more than 0.000000000000001%. I'm not complaining. Well, how are you going to raise that to more percent? Like, how are you going to spread the power of party? It's not my business. It, that's up to the party gods. That's my own uh, human greed would be taking over then. Of course, and there's times I feel that way. And you can get very lost in, in the competitive drive and... I would always want more resources to to do what I to fulfill this vision. You know, that's the feeling you really want, and also to to compensate the people that are devoted to it with you as best as you can possibly comp- compensate them. 
that's also something that, that can be quite frustrating is when you have people that have given so much of themselves to this shared purpose, you want to give them everything you have to give. So I want more to give to them as well. I'm given assignments and I have to do the best I can. And that's, 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 that's it. That's all the input I have into it. And if it's meant to be all 7 billion people on the earth, I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can. If it's just meant to be you right now, then I'll do the best I can for that. So do you, do you see yourself as more than just a musician? Ideally, yeah, or less than a musician. I, I, actually, that's how I think. I, I think that's more accurate. I'm, I'm less than a musician because I think, I think for my purposes, the music is a means to an end. I got in a lot of disagreements with people who told me that all that matters is the song. All that matters is the song. First of all, there's lots of great music that have no lyrics and no singing that aren't songs that are pieces of music, and they matter too. But thirdly, or secondly, rather, pardon me, uh, even that to me is a means to an end. It's a means to experiencing that glory. And so I'm focused on that glory, which is, if you want to call it less than the music or secondary or removed from the music, the music's a way to get to there. Talking to you right now is a way to get there. Some ways are more effective for different people some some people don't even like rock music, you know. I want to be able to, to to have a chance of generating that feeling for them as well. Um, that's the 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 the, the key uh, to the whole endeavor. And if I focused on any particular means of getting there more than the the end goal itself, it would be too. It would be quite. It would be very unpleasant unenjoyable it feels like throughout your career the word party has changed meaning from from the first album to now that it was i guess a synonym for getting wasted and having a good time and now it feels something much much bigger than that is that something you'd agree with well it was always i never i don't think it was ever defined i never told people how to party well, said, you know if you're going to party party hard when it's time to but it was never I actually feel like it's been quite consistent in uh, in a in a, a a beautifully ambiguous way, because I right from the beginning one of the things that that I really focused on was not telling people how to party, because I really really bothered was bothered by that as a younger person by my peer group telling everybody what to do all the time and the people that seemed or claimed they most despised being told what to do by adults, for example, were the ones that were most passionate about telling their friends what to do or other people their age what to do. And uh, that you were doing it wrong was the most thing. And you're partying the wrong way. That's not really partying. And you have to do this. And what's wrong with you? You should do that. Why are you wearing that? And that's not the right kind of music. You need to listen to this. And you, you don't even know that? Well, we're not going to tell you about it. You should already... It, it just... Just bad vibes all over the place. So I wanted to make something that was completely, uh, I think, beyond that, that had room for all those people and all the people that were doing everything the opposite way. Uh, A a real party where everyone was invited and and, and all those unnecessary rules could truly be obliterated, even if just for that 
moment, that one song or that one concert. Uh, I, I think that that's always been there. I've been able to articulate better over the years through practice what um, I mean by that because people still are have every reason to be perhaps puzzled by it or I'm thankful that they're interested in what I mean by partying. So I'm always trying to explain more. But it's, still, it's always just been celebrating the fact that you exist and trying to decide that existing is good. And one way to make it feel good is by celebrating it. I guess obviously that goes hand in hand with the word fun, which is the biggest aspect about Andrew WK. When you think about what Andrew WK is, it's like, that's fun. The music's fun. The live shows are fun. There's nothing about it that's sad. Do you think fun is something that's perhaps lacking in a lot of uh, contemporary music? Not that I've noticed. It seems quite, maybe even more fun than it's been at other times. Uh, For example, dance music, I mean, that was always a big influence. I think some of the the hallmarks of that genre, such as four on the floor drum beats, that's something that uh, was really important to me. And I've always really liked, and that music now as a genre is, is bigger than it's been for a long, long time, especially in the United States, where, where real hardcore instrumental dance music was more of a fringe thing or popular in Europe and things like that. And it finally came over to the U.S. I never would have dreamed it would have gotten this big. And that's music that I think is based on fun, a, a, a genuine, um, I suppose, hedonistic type of revelry. I think even a, a, I'd say a, a more noble, well, what's the right word? A, a just as legitimate and perhaps more enlightening type of fun transcends hedonism. Um, but there can be moments of that within it. It's a rejoicing. You know, it's a rejoicing. A rejoicing not to forget or obliterate any aspect of life but to rejoice even in the parts of life that seem impossible to rejoice in. That's a lofty goal, but that is the, that's, that's the high point, to, to, where, where, where pure love transcends all common sense and reason and reveals it not to be flawed, but to be only a piece of the puzzle, and that it's the entire puzzle that, where that all counts, that it's not the glass being half full or half empty. It's both, and it's beautiful that it's both things. You know, that everything is both things. And not in a way that that leads to perpetual confusion, but actually finally achieves a kind of clarity, a kind of astounding clarity. But those are fleeting moments, and you feel it physically. You can't even really think about it. It's impossible to think about. Some of these things are impossible thoughts, actually. They're paradoxes. But you can feel the feeling of a paradox more than you can understand it with your mind. I think life is somewhere found in the the feeling of, of, of that kind of contradiction. So if it's a weekend and you've got nothing to do, how do you have fun? Well, there's always something to do. If there's nothing to do, then you might as well die. So until then, uh, you know, and do this. It's all part of the whole, all of life is a quest. It's just whether you realize it or not. And I think we deserve to realize it. We owe it to ourselves to realize it. And there shouldn't be any part of the experience that is not considered part of the quest. Doesn't need, mean it needs to be like this endless, exhausting labor, but it's it's a it is it's the greatest work we can do is try to make this life count in a in a really deep way. So there's one final question I've wanted to ask, which is something that's been going around the internet for years: is that 
this conspiracy theory that there's more than one of you? It seems like a kind of common accusation that happens. It, it, it must be based on something quite primal, some, 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 something that, that seeps out of people when encountering certain, certain figures. Um, I'm, I'm a minor figure in, 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 by any estimation in the entertainment landscape, but I've seen many people that have been accused of that. I've, I've, the thing that was quite mo- more distressing than was there more than one of me was was there even one of me at all that I didn't even exist? And that one was even more shocking because I thought, well, clearly even the most wild theories must be based on some grain of truth. And the idea of there being another one of me out there was less disturbing than the idea that I wasn't even here, even though I thought I was. So maybe I don't exist, but I, I think I do. That's the one thing I think I'm almost certain of. But you never know. And there we have it. That was Andrew WK on Life, the Universe and Everything. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. The next edition of Metal Hammer Meets features Rob Halford and Ian Hill from the Mighty Judas Priest, which should be coming next week. Uh, I've been Luke Morton. You can come find me on Twitter and I'll see you soon.